1: And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode.
0: Welcome back, everyone. This week, we have Bob TD with us. Now, Bob is with us from Dallas in the States. He is an author and blogger at leadingwithquestions.com and he's a leadership and development part of the leadership and development team at Crewe. Now Bob is very impressive because he has five written five books and they are available in different languages as well so I'm very impressed with that and we're going to hear more about Bob and he's a recovering TA. He's going to tell us what that is in just a minute But the focus for this um, podcast, this episode, is going to be about sharpening our leadership with questions, with questioning skills. So, Bob, a big welcome to you. Thank you so much for giving your time and joining us on our podcast today. And tell us more about this recovering TA.
2: Well, Rebecca and Cale, I'm delighted to be with you. Yes, I'm a charter member of TA. Now most people aren't familiar with what TA is, and I say, well, maybe you've heard of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, TA is Tellers Anonymous. Our our theme is let me tell you, and uh, and of course that's uh, fictitious, but the the reality is that I growing up am addicted to being a teller, and uh, you know my line is let me tell you. And uh, my only paradigm of leadership, I I make this confession, and, and that is that for most of my career, I was a benevolent dictator, because my only paradigm of leadership was thinking that a leader needs to give direction, a leader needs to tell staff what to do. Now, I did say benevolent, I grew up in a home where I was taught to say please and thank you. So if If Rebecca, you'd been on my team, I doubt that I would have ever said, Rebecca, go do this. It would have been more like, hey, Rebecca, you know, this week we're working on this. It'd really be great if you could please do this. And when you did it, I would have said, thank you, Rebecca, at a staff meeting with all the staff. Rebecca, stand up. You all need to hear what Rebecca did. Now, I start kind of with these confessions of being a teller, you know, charter member of Tellers Anonymous. And, You know, my only paradigm of leading was to uh, tell, give direction, that all changed for me in 2006 when I discovered a book by Dr. Michael Marquardt, professor at George Washington University in the Washington DC area. And the book was called Leading with Questions, filled with stories of leaders, literally from around the globe, who were leading with questions and the questions they shared. And as I read that, I, I had only one question. Why hasn't anyone ever shared this with me before? And I immediately embraced it. Well, if Bob, a teller, a, a benevolent dictator, can make the move from leading by telling to leading with questions, well, so can anyone else. Well,
0: let's hear how you might do that then, Bob.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, so pleasure to have on the, on the podcast, Bob. Thanks very much for, for taking the time out to join us. And we've got one of your five books in front of us here, Great Leaders Ask Great, great Questions. And, you know, a lot of your philosophy is all around leadership with questions and that kind of thing, which is a, perhaps a slightly different angle that a lot of our guests take to, to leadership, maybe or face value anyway. So maybe you could just kind of give us like a quick, sort of whistles up to uh, sort of what that perspective is and, and sort of um, what, what your thoughts are around
2: the questioning side of things. Well, Caleb, would it surprise that if I'd like to ask you a couple of questions to actually <laughs> do what you've just asked? <laughs> um, my first question is going to be a silly question, but but go with me on this. Calem, sure. if you were in a large rowboat with a whole team, we'll say there's you and nine others. Mm -hmm. And you want to get that rowboat across the lake as quick as possible. How many of them would you like to have row with you? All of them, I think. All of them, yes, of course. I told you it was a silly question, but now I want you to imagine that that team, you and the nine others, are gathered around your conference table, and the topic on the table is there's an opportunity, and you want to get that. Opportunity, so to speak, across the lake as quick as possible to take advantage of it. If you are a leader who thinks your job is to tell them what to do and their job is to do it, how many mental oars will be in the water? Nine. One? One. Yours. One. Yeah, okay. yeah, one. <laughs> okay, yeah, one. But Caleb, if you're a leader who leads with questions, so you say, gang, we have this opportunity. What do you all think we might do now? How many mental oars might be in the water? Yeah, much much more engaged. Yeah, nine. Yeah, all of them. And, and so when I say a leader who leads with questions is many times, up to ten times more effective. Well, Caleb, at that table, as you ask, hey, what do you think, is it possible that you might hear an idea better than anything you'd thought of? I think so, yeah. Not a guarantee, but it might. And, And so let's just say that Rebecca's on your team and she just shares an idea and you think to yourself, wow, that's better than anything I thought of. So you say, Rebecca, that is a fantastic idea. Would you be willing to lead our team and executing on your idea? Caleb, how hard will she work to make that a success?
1: <laughs> it's question
2: her idea, she's gonna yeah, own yeah. it. Yeah. Well, those are some of the reasons that leading with questions is so effective. It It allows you to get everybody's brain working. And then, when you hear fantastic ideas, not only affirming them, but letting them execute their ideas where they have complete ownership. J- just a few thoughts there, Caleb, on why a leader who leads with questions can be more effective.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, It's just, you know, you're much more engaged with what's going on. You're sort of, who someone said something around, um, what was it, general concept where people are much more. People get behind ideas that are theirs, don't they much more so than ideas that are sort of like pushed upon them, which is I think kind of what you're sort of highlighting. Yeah. Them. Yeah, Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's a, a nice way of putting it for sure. How, how what do you have any like specific examples where you've seen leaders take um maybe like an approach where you're asking them to do something specifically and implemented like this more of like this questioning type of approach and what the what the results of that have been that you could share with us, Bob?
2: Well. my my own confession again. (laughs) Um, When a leader only relies on their own ideas, the the fact is none of us hit home runs every time. I know that's an American baseball example. (laughs) Uh, None of us score on every play. And so there's times I may have great ideas, but if I think I'm the only one with great ideas there's gonna be times my staff are gonna hear something and they're going to think, I don't think that's a very good idea, but Bob's the boss, he signs the paycheck, so I guess we better do what he says. And uh, the reality is when you're an employee and your only motivation is I better do it because he signs the paychecks, your whole heart won't actually be in it. If you're actually thinking, even as you hear the idea, I don't think that'll work, uh, you're not gonna work real hard to execute on it. And certainly, uh, you know, I can think of times, I think of one example in particular, uh, we don't have time to go through all the details, but I sent a team On a humanitarian aid setup trip to Russia and uh, asked them to do something I'd never done before, but I gave them a detailed plan on how to do it. And uh, they got there and, you know, it didn't work. The situation turned out to be different. What's interesting is we also sent a second team. That second team was led by a former uh, US Army colonel who understood what he called commander's intent. And, And he explained that in any war, you can have a plan that usually goes out the window upon the first engagement. But what he understood is here's where we need to go. And because he understood that, he threw the plan away, but said, but how do we get there? And with that team, they got there because he kept asking the team, hey, how do we get there? What's our next step? And so uh, letting people have their own voice, uh, giving them the direction perhaps of where we need to go, but then letting them, how do we get there? Uh, just works. It just works. It, 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 people feel trusted because you empower them to figure it out.
0: Which is fantastic, isn't it? That's where we want our team to really feel. So, Bob, what would you recommend if there is somebody listening to this podcast, they're not the leader in the business, they're part of the team, and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, I'd love my leader to listen to this podcast, and I'd like them to engage through questions. What tips would you give them to help them to encourage their leader to lead with questions? How would you encourage them to to approach that? Well,
2: Rebecca, that's a fantastic question. And and, uh, in a moment, I'd love to know your answer to that. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm thinking that uh, first of all, just modeling asking questions and Great questions aren't like get somebody in a corner. They aren't meant to corner or embarrass someone. But it's simply to ask them, hey, what do you think we might do? Or here's a situation. How would you handle it? And uh, I think with, with, with everyone, not just with leaders, asking some relational questions that may be unrelated to the exact topic. But as you build a relationship with each other, trust develops. Uh, one of my friends says, telling creates resistance, asking creates relationships. And so I build the relationship. But a second thought is, uh, you know, all of my books are free ebooks. You can, uh, without any cost, say to a leader, hey, I just found a resource that I found really helpful, but I'd love to get your opinion on it. I'd love you to take a look. This Bob's first book, Great Leaders Ask Questions, a leader can read that in about 45 minutes. And uh, love for you to read it and love to know what you think and uh, involve them in that way. But Rebecca, how would you answer your question?
0: Um, I would say listen to the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: As I like the idea of um, being accessing your resources because they are free books to download. And I have read Great, um, great Leaders Ask." questions i've read that book and i thought it was great and i have actually put some of those things into practice myself um Mm. in particular the not just asking how are you but just kind of going down a few layers deeper such as you know what what has made your week fantastic or what what's happening in your life that's pretty good right now and opening up the conversation by asking those sorts of questions so i think there's lots of great ideas in your book which um are really worth considering and and asking about. So in your mind, Bob, is a great leader somebody that asks questions or can you be a great leader without asking questions?
2: Again, you, you won't be surprised with, with my opinion, but I think uh, great leaders ask questions. Um, I'm trying to think, um, one leader said, you know, leaders of the past may have been the leaders who know how to tell, but the leaders of the future will be those who know how to ask. And there's something about involving people. It's like, a, Rebecca, a question, I'll ask it of you, but I, I ask this frequently, is uh, whenever you've reported to a supervisor, a leader, someone you reported to, how did you feel whenever they said, Rebecca, what do you think we might do?
0: You feel valued. There's no question about that. Your opinion is being valued, and in, and that feels good. Absolutely no question.
2: Yeah. Without that leader saying, Rebecca, I value you. Rebecca, I think you've got a great intelligence and wisdom. Just by asking, they communicated that. Yeah. And so I say, if that's how you have felt when you've had a leader ask you, how will your staff feel when you ask them? Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Or friends or colleagues. You know, it's obviously the same. Yes. Uh, Caleb and Rebecca, one of the things I love about leading with questions is that so many of the greatest questions are so simple. Um, often when I'm speaking, I'll ask the audience, who here would like to learn to lead with questions in 30 seconds? And, and every hand goes up. And I say, well, you know, the reason I asked this question, thank you, Rebecca, I see that hand, Caleb, I see your hand up. Yeah, sure. The reason I ask this question is so often when I'm speaking, I sense from the audience that they would like to learn to lead with questions, but they imagine they'll have to get a master's degree in questionology. In other words, it's going to take a lot of work. And so when they hear me ask, who would like to learn to lead with questions in 30 seconds, every hand goes up. Well, Caleb, are you willing to to see if this will work?
1: Yeah, let's do it,
2: yeah. I've got a second hand on my watch, so we'll see if we can do this. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my four favorite questions. I'm then going to ask if you have them memorized. And if you do, I'll say, "Caleb, please share them with us. Yeah. And when you're done with the fourth question, I'll see what the clock says. So, Caleb, are you ready?
1: Let's do it. Yeah.
2: First favorite question What do you think? Second, what else? Third, what else? Fourth, what else? Caleb, do you have a memorized? I think I
1: think just about got it. Yeah, I think I did. What do you think? This, what else? What else? What else?
2: Fantastic. Caleb, I'm going to have to change this uh, question. Who would like to learn to lead with questions in 17 seconds? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're an overachiever. Now, some listening may be a bit skeptical, like, Bob, you can't ask somebody, what do you think, what else, what else, what else? And I say, well, of course not in that rapid fashion, but imagine a conversation. There's some topic, you're gonna ask, what do you think about? And you're gonna name the topic, the issue, the opportunity, the challenge. And, they will speak. But when they pause, instead of just moving on, you say, wow, that's really good. What else? And they'll give you more. And again, at some point, they'll pause, and when they do, instead of just moving on, you might pick up a pen and say, oh, Caleb, this is so good. I've got to take notes here. Please continue. What else? and they'll give you more. What I've discovered is it's actually on the third and fourth question that you get to their gold nugget, their very best thought. And, uh, you know, we've all heard the story of the proverbial gold miner who mined for gold all his life. Stopped. Somebody came along later and discovered he was within six inches of the gold vein. Well, I discovered that in the past, even when I asked somebody, hey, what do you think about? And they gave me that first answer. When they were done, when they paused, I moved on. I didn't know you had to dig a little deeper. And you see, we all kind of instinctively, when we're asked, hey, what do you think about? Our first answer instinctively is kind of a safe answer. We're testing the waters to see how they treat it. So, Caleb, if I asked you, hey, what do you think about, and you gave me that first answer, and I said, well, Caleb, that's stupid, everyone knows that, (laughs) well, you'd be sorry that you answered, and next time I ask, I'll probably get nothing, but when I say, wow, that's good, you relax a little bit, and you give me more, and when I say, wow, I'm taking notes, well, now you're thinking that, wow, Bob is a lot smarter than I thought he was. He loves what I'm sharing, and I'll get more." So again, if a leader or somebody listening has only been a teller, learning to lead with questions is as simple as these four questions. In your next meeting, one-on-one with one of your staff or, or with your staff around the, the conference table, by just asking them, hey, what do you think we might do? Listen. When they pause, wow, this is good. What, what else? and I'm taking notes and what else, you will have moved from being a leader who leads by telling to leading with questions. Um, It's it's that simple. Now I have some more questions a leader can ask, but at its base foundational, it's asking, what do you think? And what else, and what else, and what else?
0: Bob, please share those other questions that leaders can ask.
2: Well, would you like to know the four questions one uh, consultant uses to make a handsome six-figure income? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he shared, it was a he, and he shared with me, he said, I'm not a subject matter expert. They don't bring me in because I have expertise in a certain area. He said, on one day I could consult with the head of an airline company on day two, a pharmaceutical company on day three, a computer software company. He said, I'd ask the same four questions. He said, uh, might you be interested in hearing? I said, not only would I be interested, may I write them down? He said, I hope you will. Question one was, what's going well? Question two, what's not? Question three, where are you stuck? Question four, what do you need to change? And then he pointed to question one and said, Bob, don't miss question one, what's going well? He said, if I walked into a company that I hadn't consulted with before, and at 8 a.m., first thing in the morning, I said, tell me what's not going well here. He said, I wouldn't get an honest answer. He said, no one at 8 a.m. wants to get naked and confess, yep, we're a bunch of losers here. So he said, I start with question one. And now he has a whole bunch of what else is what else is, how'd you figure that out? He said, by the time I'm done with question one, they're thinking that I'm thinking they're one of the most brilliant leaders I've ever spent time with. He said, that sets the stage to get an honest answer because when I ask what's not going well, they don't feel like they're confessing we're a bunch of losers. It's like in spite of all our wins. Yeah, we've, we've had a few losses and you actually get an honest answer. And then he said, notice When I say, where are you stuck? What needs to change? They actually solve their own problem. (laughs) And then they call me a brilliant consultant. And he said, and then they write me out that large check as a consultant. And he said, I smile to myself every time. But I thought, wow. And and those four questions will work anywhere. They'll they'll work with your team. They'll work if you're uh, on a board of a group. They'll work with individuals. They work anywhere. And then second, Caleb, uh, you're going to love the, the second group. You probably had those four questions memorized too upon hearing them once. But this next group, U.S. Navy commander, Michael Captain Michael Abershoff took over several years ago command of the USS Benfold, one of the U.S.'s modern warships. I think there's about 300 vessels in the U.S. Navy, and the Navy measures morale on each ship, and morale on that ship was the lowest of all 300 in in the U.S. Navy. 18 months later, under his command, morale was the highest of all 300 ships. Well, the first thing he did upon taking command was he set up 300 15-minute meetings with 300 sailors on that ship spending 15 minutes each with 300 of them. And he asked them three questions. These are so simple, but they're so profound. He said, what do you like best about our ship? What do you like least? What would you change if you could? And he listened. Now, by the end of the first day, he might've only uh, visited with 10 or 15 sailors, but there was a buzz on the ship. The new captain's different. He actually cares what we think. He's actually asking us how to improve things here. And now it didn't take long. And Captain Abershoff is thinking to himself, like, what? What do you we're going to fix that? My goodness, of course. But Caleb, guess who he gave credit to for the ideas when he began to announce changes?
1: I would you like to thank the original people?
2: He named sailors by name. Instead of this is my idea. He gave credit to them. Well, when you hear those three questions and you hear how he began to implement changes, it's like, well, of course, morale on that ship had to increase. Well, again, those three questions any leader can use with their staff to involve them, get some great input. And then if you hear ideas that you think, wow, we need to do that. Don't claim it as your idea. Say, Caleb shared a great idea that we're gonna implement.
1: I really like that story, because I think everything in that story is so simple to do, yet the results are so profound, you know, it's such little effort, for such huge reward, right?
2: Caleb, you know, I didn't share this earlier. I'm a farm boy from South Dakota. And I always say, you know, I am not complicated. If you want me to understand, you got to hang the fruit on the low branches. And again what I love about leading with questions is so many of the best questions are really so simple they're not long complicated run-on sentences of questions they are as simple as what do you like best what do you like least what would you change here if you could easy easy way to do it
0: what else Bob that's
2: amazing <laughs> well When I talk, another thing I ask is, who here would like to become a better listener in eight seconds?
0: We'll go for that then.
2: Yes. (laughs) And and this is fascinating to me. Uh, Research, not my research, but other research shows that when the average person asks a question, they only wait two or three seconds for an answer. And if the other person doesn't answer in two or three seconds, again, this is instinctive, not really thought through, but instinctively that silence so bothers us that the average person after two or three seconds of that silence will either re-ask the question, ask a different question, answer the question themselves, or just move on in the conversation with no self-awareness of what they've just done. Oh. Rebecca, sometimes I say, who would like to improve sales? I know you do a lot of work in sales. Who would like to improve sales in eight seconds? Well, it's the same thing. Ask your question and then keep comfortable eye contact, but count to yourself, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. There are times I've gotten to 1,030, (laughs) but the longer the silence, the better the answer. Now, of course, if you're in somebody's office and you say, which way to the loo, they're gonna answer that in two or three seconds. But if you're asking them a question that really requires some thinking and processing, they probably won't consider it helpful if you re-ask the question at three seconds uh, or ask a different question. Instead, ask the question and count to yourself. to me, that this is one of the best listening tips is give people time to answer. And of course, don't ever ask a question if you're not willing to then listen.
1: Very true. I mean, I think that's a lot of actual advice. that uh, you know, people listening to this, our listeners on this podcast can, can go away and implement today, right? It's so simple to, to go ahead and do everything you shared is, you know, incredibly easy to just go ahead and, and just start doing from, from day one. And I'd be really interested myself yeah. to start doing a, my work at some, you know, uh, where I work and what, and what I do. Just you know, Caleb, just
2: Caleb yes. you actually might uh, hate me for the eight second rule mm. because this is another confession. There's times I'll ask a question and two or three seconds later, I'll start speaking. And I'll go, oops, I just blew my own rule. But here's something you can do when that happens. Say, time out. My bad. I asked you a question, and I didn't even give you time to answer, and I started talking again. My bad. Let me ask the question again, and this time, I'm going to be silent and give you all the time you need to think how you want to answer. And so uh, I find that that works really well. And, uh, you know, when I do that, other people respond just fine. And, and also what I'm hoping is I'll do less and less of it because I'll become more and more mindful of actually giving them the eight seconds.
0: Do you find, do you find Bob, when you're in meetings in business meetings that you say a lot less than you might've done before 2006 when you were more aware of this about asking questions?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Rebecca, absolutely. I I have an awareness. I just didn't have the awareness before. But I have awareness going into meetings that my goal is not to speak more than 20% and for someone else to speak 80% by asking them questions, by remaining curious. you know, another question, uh, I guess it's a technique, is to ask the second question, the third question. When you ask somebody the first question, there's almost, almost always something within their answer that you can ask another question about. And I don't mean that you make it an interrogation, but you're showing interest. And they give that second answer. And there's something in there where you can ask another question about, of just remaining curious. And uh, you know thinking of this as, as being, uh, no matter what the conversation is, a coffee conversation, where you just are listening to your friend. You're listening to this new friend and, uh, and staying curious and asking the second and third question. I find within me, there's a temptation at times Let's just say, you know, I love your country, and, and I've been fond of visiting there in the UK several times. Well, you get back to the United States, and, and uh, you ask a friend, hey, where you been? And they say, oh, just been to England, been to London. I'm so tempted to want to tell them about my times in London. <laughs> and, uh, but instead of going there, hey, tell me about your trip. Where'd you go? And uh, they begin to tell, hey, well, tell me more about that. What was the experience there? And and they tell you more and and again, wow. You know, what what was most enjoyable about your day in Cambridge? And you know, you go deeper just with them. It doesn't matter that I've made a dozen trips to the UK. It's not about me. Well, I use that as an example just to say so often when somebody shares about something we're familiar with, we instinctively want to tell them about our experience. And, and I say, don't keep asking them about theirs. But, uh, but Caleb, I'm, I'm just remembering another thing. Whenever you ask somebody a question after they answer, what question are they most likely to ask you?
1: And what about you? Something like that.
2: Yeah, the same question. We play ping pong with questions, you know, in the morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, Caleb, if I asked, you know, tell me, what are some of your favorite places to eat? What are the restaurants you really love? And, And you told me, and I asked the second, third, fourth question, you told me all about your favorite restaurants. It's not a guarantee, but it's highly likely you'll say, well, Bob, what about you? What are your favorite restaurants? So I always say to somebody, if you want somebody to ask you a question, but you don't just want to come out and say, "Caleb, ask me about my favorite restaurants. <laughs> Instead, of ask them the question. Because so often after you follow through, they will actually ping pong that back to you to say, what about you? It's quite a good, good way of thinking about it. It's a uh, mental
0: <laughs> I could do with a tip, please, Bob. Um, it's something that you said just now about you go into a meeting with a view of speaking for about 20% of the time so you're encouraging others to do most of the speaking so what do you do when you're in a meeting like that and somebody is doing all the talking and they're not giving other people the opportunity to share their views how do you manage a situation like that
2: Rebecca, again, I'll, I'll love to hear your input on that same thing. I think what you've just shared is pretty common. That, uh, in it, you know, you put five people together and, and one of them is going to uh, tend to dominate just, just the way they are. And uh, what I do, and I don't want to say this is the perfect solution, but it'll be, you know, John, thank you for your input. Love to hear from the rest of you. And uh, you've thanked John, you've acknowledged his input, but by, I wanna hear from the rest of you, you've kind of telegraphed to John, John, it's now time to let them speak. Um, And so uh, that's one thing. Uh, I've also been on a team where um, it's called mutual invitation. And so a question will be on the table and when the first person is done, the procedure uh, which the team has embraced is they now ask another person on the team, what do you think? Now that person can say, let me pass and, uh, and ask another person or they can answer. But uh, I found that that procedure, now the team talked about it and agreed and liked that idea of the mutual invitation So uh, it wasn't just the leader then saying, okay, I've heard from Rebecca, now Caleb now Tommy, now Sarah. But when Rebecca gets done answering, she would then uh, invite another person on the team until the whole team has had a chance. So those are two ideas.
0: Thank you, they're really great ideas. Bob, thank you very much for sharing those with us. I think it takes a specific level of self-awareness Like you say, you go into a meeting very conscious to only talk for 20% of the time. And it's how we might encourage others to be that self aware that they don't hog the whole meeting talking about their situation or their experience and allowing it to be shared with others to to give their contribution to it. So I like both of those ideas very much and uh, think they could work extremely well. Obviously, they have worked well because you, Put them into practice yeah thank you for those
2: my pleasure
1: as we sort of draw towards a bit of a, a close bob um you know i think one of the two of the main things i've picked up from from our discussion so far is a ask more questions b give people time to respond to those questions is there a third point that you might share with with our listeners that they can sort of go away and start doing straight away is there anything else that you would add, add into that
2: caleb I want you to imagine you're a leader, and uh, and you are, but uh, two decision-making processes. And each of these processes has three box. In decision-making process, one, leader makes decision. Leader informs staff. Third box, leader asks if there's any questions. In the second decision-making process, leader asks staff for input on an area that they're gonna be making some changes in. Then second box leader makes decision, third box leader announces decision. What's the difference between those two, Caleb?
1: I think one's much more inclusive than the other. I think one ties in with all the things we are talking about where people feel more valued, more included in making the decision uh, and so and on. So.
2: You're so right. But here's another confession. I I have skinned knuckles and skinned knees from having used decision-making process one. Leader makes decision, leader calls staff together, informs them of the decision, asks if there's any questions, thinking their questions will be about how do we execute this, but instead staff say, did you think about, did you consider, and you're now between the rock and the hard place because No, you didn't think about that. No, you hadn't considered, but you're the leader. So are you going to cave and say, okay, we'll go back and reconsider, or no, we've made the decision. I've been there. And uh, what I tell leaders is decision process two, you can avoid that being between the rock and the hard place because you start with asking questions. You say, gang, we're gonna be making some changes and you name the area. What should we be looking at? What should we be asking? And you ask. And you get to hear all the things you might not have heard until the end of decision process one. You get to hear them up front, which allows you to make a better decision. But then here's what research shows not mine, but others. This is really fascinating to me. If staff are asked for their input prior to the decision being made, almost all of them will support a decision even opposite of their input, because they felt respected in being asked for input prior to the decision being made. Now, there'll be exceptions, that's a broad generality, but I find that really fascinating. But when I think about it, yeah, even in my own experience, when I've had a chance to give input prior to the decision, I felt respected, and and yes, they were the leader, and when they made a decision opposite, I I was not offended. It's more like in that first situation, you think they didn't even think about, (laughs) And, and you tend to react. So just another idea of the advantage of leading with questions, but in this case, it's as important when in the process you ask the question as the questions you ask. In this case, the importance of asking up front for input, then making the decision.
0: Yeah. Very, very, very good point and very valid. And how often have we heard the team say, didn't even bother to ask me? I knew it wouldn't work, but um, <laughs> they didn't ask
1: me.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I, I totally agree. I think I can imagine how effective that would be and how much more included you would feel if you were part of that decision from the get-go. I think you made a really interesting point about even if someone goes to the decision which was opposite to the one that you wanted, had you been consulted in the first place, you would probably go along with it. Which I, 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 it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I can definitely imagine that happening. So that's an interesting point you raised. Um, as we sort of move to, towards the end, Bob, um, you know, we always have like to give our guests a bit of time back to you know share anything that's coming up in, in their personal life, work life, anything we want to share with our guests. Um, so is there any sort of closing remarks you'd like to share with our listeners around, you know, what we have talked about or anything that's sort of coming up in your world that you'd like to like to pass on to our guests?
2: Well, thank you. It's, it's been an absolute delight to be with you. Um, everything I do on social media is free. And I would love to invite your, your listeners to become subscribers to my uh, blog, leadingwithquestions.com. Subscribing is free. We're now in our 10th year. Uh, my blog is followed by leaders in 190 nations, and so I invite you to join those leaders from 190 plus nations who are committed to increasing their leadership effectiveness. And if you go to leadingwithquestions.com in the lower right, a place to enter your, your email address, and then every Monday and Thursday, into your inbox will come what I call turnkey ready questions wrapped in stories. And a turnkey-ready question is a question you can immediately turn around to ask colleagues, staff, prospects, clients, friends, or family. And they're wrapped in stories. And it's a story that gives us understanding in life of of how someone else has discovered that question or uses that question. And it's like the story. It's like, oh, I want to have that experience. I want to have that benefit. And then, as Rebecca, as you shared at the beginning, I've authored five books, they're all free eBooks. And, and let me just share that sometimes, and I'm not suggesting this is wrong, sometimes people will offer free eBooks and then in the eBook, they try to sell you something. That, that could be a great business model. I just want you to know that that's not my business model. Uh, there's no sales pitch in any of the eBooks, they're all free. And so there's great leaders ask questions. Uh, there's uh, Now that's a great question. There's 339 questions Jesus asked. There's the uh, the little book of big leading with question quotes. And uh, as you said, they're available in multiple languages, Spanish, Portuguese, Albanian, Polish, uh, Chinese, um, French, and uh all available for free. So if you have colleagues whose first language, even if they're fluent in English, they might, everybody loves their first language. Uh, Or you may be a multinational company with staff in in, various countries that actually would prefer one of the other languages, all available for free. If you go to leadingwithquestions.com at the top, you'll see the word books. If you just click on that word, it'll take you to the page where you can then request the free download. Oh, and, and several of them are also available as free audio books. I've recorded personally great leaders ask questions and now that's a great question. And they can be downloaded uh, just like your podcast can be downloaded You know, to your smartphone to listen as you walk, run, drive, bike, or just sit in a rocking chair. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Bob, and I can confirm that the book you sent me your books to read. Thank you, and great leaders ask questions is a great, great book to read. You know, it's easy and easy read, but lots of packed with tips and ideas to be better at asking the right questions. So, Bob, thank you very much indeed for for joining us on our podcast. It's been a delight to have you with us. Very much appreciate it indeed. Thank you so much.
2: Rebecca and Calum, it's been a pleasure. You are uh, fun to work with. It's been a fun conversation.
1: And, yeah, vice versa for me, Bob. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. I feel like it's been a really uh, effective discussion. So, yeah, just a big thank you for me.
2: Best to both of you.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, You can do that at the rjen.co.uk website.